0: Hey, thank you for listening to the City Life Church podcast. We are leading people to become fully alive in Jesus. We are a church in San Francisco, and we are praying that this word will encourage you, challenge you, and help you grow in your faith journey. All right, let's jump into the word today. Let's go all the way to the book of Psalms, chapter 139. I'm going to read a few verses with us today. It's going to pop up on the screen behind me. Or if you want all of my notes on your device, just text COC notes to the number 97000, as you see on the screen. And then all my notes will jump onto your device and you can preach with me today. Psalms 139, verse 13, it says this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body... And knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Anybody a little complex up in here? We're all fearfully and wonderfully made. And the psalmist is telling God, your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I, as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. And every day of my life was recorded in your book. Watch this. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. What's God saying? What's the the writer saying to God here? That God has a master plan, a script. All the details were already laid out even before the psalmist had been conceived or brought into this world. God already had a plan. God has a plan for you. You may not know what that plan is, but he sure does your face is still on his refrigerator. Come on, somebody. God knows your name. He knows your story. He knows your past, your present, and he knows your future. And the psalmist would wrap up as saying, how precious are your thoughts about me? Oh, God, they cannot be numbered. So here's this dialogue, this conversation. The psalmist and God and the psalmist is just recognizing, God, you know everything about me. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I was I'm a complex kind of a being. Come on, somebody. Any spouses know that your spouse is complex? Notice I didn't say, well, anyways, moving on. (laughs) We are complex individuals. And the psalmist is saying, you've known everything about me. How wonderful are your ways. Ephesians 2.10, Paul would write and he would say this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. What is the, the, the apostle saying? That we are God's masterpiece. You're not a second thought or an afterthought. You are the masterpiece. We are God's best with all of our issues, with all of our challenges. We are a masterpiece. And we're called to do these good things. What things? The things that God has planned and purposed for each and every one of our lives. God has a plan for us collectively as a community of faith, but God has a plan for you individually. And some of us, maybe, maybe we made a sharp left turn and we took the detour and we kind of drifted from the purposes of God. But God is a God of second chances. Come on, somebody. God is a God of new beginnings. God is a God that reroutes our trajectory and gets us back on, on the path, on the track that we need to be on. So that we can do the good works that he's planned. For us, the works that honor him, that bring glory to him. Jeremiah then 11, many of you would be familiar with this verse. And it says, God speaking through his prophet Jeremiah, he would say, for I know the plans that I have for you. This is God talking. You may not know the plans. You may not know the future. God says, but I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Someone say, there's hope. We serve a God that brings healing from our past, and he also gives us hope for our future. Why? Because he knows our future. And he's got good plans for us. Turn to the person next to you and says, God's got good plans for you. And now you turn back and say, and you need a mint. I'm no, just kidding. Today we're kicking off this brand new preaching series, and the title for this preaching series is All About Blank. Like, what's the blank for? Fill in the blank. The blank will be different themes that we're going to cover these next few weeks. We're going to have different pastors. Next week, Pastor Keyes is going to preach a phenomenal message. Different ones of us are going to be sharing on specific themes. Today's title would be this, all about purpose. Because we're called to be people that live on purpose and by purpose. We were created specifically uh, with a purpose. God designed us with a purpose and we're supposed to live for a purpose. There was no such thing as an accident. My parents thought I was an accident, you feel me? They had had three kids. And they thought the factory was shut down. You know what I'm talking about? Seven years later, hello, here I am. God knew the plans he had for me. God knows the plans he has for you. They're great plans and we're gonna talk about here at City Life, we're all about helping people discover purpose. Some of the most frustrating people and frustrated people around, and maybe some of you are sitting in the room or watching online, are people who haven't fully grasped what it means to live on purpose and for a purpose. You're here, you're sucking up oxygen, and today a lot of smoke in here, and you're existing, but maybe you're not living the full life that God has purposed for you. Listen, it's not your your destiny to just get by. It's not God's plan for you to just survive. You and I were created in the image of God, and we're called to thrive in this world. We're called to be bearers of light. We carry the good news, the presence of God. So if you find yourself just kind of getting through or hoping that you can survive another day, another week, this is not the abundant life that Jesus promised. Our commitment to you is to help you, to help you discover God's purpose for your life. We're committed to that. We're passionate about that. So we're all about that. Um, years ago, my wife and I, we, uh, we lived in this tiny little apartment before we had four kids. And uh, um, I decided this one day, we would love to do our little barbecue. I'm Brazilian. Like I said, tem brasileiro aqui hoje? Tem? Glória a Deus. So us Brazilians, we like to barbecue everything. Everything. Not just chicken or meat. We barbecue everything. You got the tiramisu, we'll throw it on the grill. We'll barbecue the tiramisu as well. We'll do whatever. On this given day, have this tiny little apartment, and we had a tiny little balcony thing on the outside. Is it a balcony? Is it a deck? Both, either way, tiny. And uh, we have a little Weber. So I, I, I'm like, you know what, today I'm going to change it up a little bit. Instead of just throwing my picanha on the grill, like Marcio does with the, you know, his whole like southern Brazil cooking skills, I decided I was going to shake it up a little bit. And I, uh, well, let me tell you a picture. I'm going to show you a picture of what I was hoping to accomplish that day. This is what I wanted to kind of prep. Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Some of y'all getting hungry at the 11 o'clock service. These would be steak shish kebabs with chunks, cubed picanha or filet mignon or something like that. Tri-tip. Mushrooms, all the other veggies and onions. That was the plan. I had a vision in my mind, in my heart. I'm going to impress my cute thing. She's going to be happy. We're going to be happy. It's going to be a great lunch. That was the plan. So I fired up the Weber, got the barbecue, the, not the bar. got the, 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 the charcoal. It was lit and it was ready. I finally spread it around and it was ready. But now I need to like, I had already prepped and cut the veggies and the meat and it's going to be a great barbecue, y'all. And then what I'm looking for is I'm looking for this guy right here. This would be a skewer, much like the picture we had over there, where you just layer. And as Brazilians, it's really like three quarters of meat and just a little bit of vegetables. We don't need all the other veggies. It's like a lot of meat and just a few little onions or whatever. And I'm looking through the drawers, looking for this skewer, and I couldn't find anything. And I'm looking everywhere. And maybe some of us have you ever like used those little bamboo sticks? The best that I could find were these tiny little toothpicks. I'm like, ain't nobody got time for that. So I'm looking everywhere and I can't find them. Finally, I come across this little gadget thingy that Elena had stored in our cabinet. And uh, I'm looking at it and there's like, there's this amazing little skewers in there. That kind of look like this. I'm like, man, I don't know if these are like little appetizer, little forks for like, you know, shrimp. Later, I would find out that these are called fondue forks. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not a very sophisticated guy. I'm just a real simple dude. My wife is bougie like that. Ooh, fondue, ha, 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 ha. French. <laughs> I, I didn't realize that these are, are used for like maybe small pieces of bread and then you dip it in like the melted cheese. Take one little bite, mmm. <laughs> or maybe if you got like a sweet tooth, maybe you melt some chocolate you and you dip some marshmallows in the chocolate and it's one marshmallow at a time. Well, that day I had a need for shuhasku. I had a need for some steak. I had a need for some steak shish kebabs and I didn't have the proper tools, but I found me a wannabe little skewer right here. So I I started layering it up, lots of meat, just a little bit of veggies, lots more meat, little veggies, more meat. That thing was stacked. And I did all 12 of those little forks. And I brought them out. I even covered the little handles on them a little bit. Shoved it down real good. Dropped it on the Weber. And I said, Lord, receive this sacrifice, this incense, (laughs) this aroma. (laughs) I go back in the house. And prep with some dessert, maybe make some pujingi leche, maybe do a little Brazilian dessert. And I'm just I'm thrilled, man. My appetite. I am ready. We should see that picture again, shouldn't we? Throw that picture up there again, Benji. I was ready for the picture. The other picture, bro. That one. I had a vision. I had a dream. I had an appetite and I was ready for that. I didn't have the skewers, but I was going to be creative. And as I'm preparing lunch or dessert, I look out the glass door and I see dark black smoke arising from the grill. It's not supposed to be black smoke. It's supposed to be like a clear white smoke and it's dark and heavy and I look and flames are coming around the the lid. I said, Lord Jesus, Elena, go put out the fire. Lord Jesus, there's a fire. (laughs) I run outside. Ah! I just jacked up the whole thing. The little plasticky handles are all melted and dripping in the grill. The meat is gone, bruh. The whole Weber is ignited. The fire alarm is going to go off. The the, the apartment managers are going to come knocking on my door. What am I going to do? I had to put out that thing. Destroy the food. I was livid. I was just messed up. Here's the point to the whole story. Great analogy, by the way. Pastor Lamy is like, Pastor John, you've been telling this story for the last 20-something years. Shout out to our online campus pastor. She's heard this analogy many times. It gets gooder every time. The point, in this case, the three points. Now that's cheesy. That's worse. Go back. The point to this whole story is, everything has a purpose. The fondue fork was created for a fondue experience, not for Brazilian churrasco. It wasn't designed for that. The problem with life is that so many of us, though we were created with a specific purpose and a divine design, oftentimes we allow the things of the world to change. Somebody please help me with my microphone, it's going a little crazy up in here. I don't know if it's just demonic spirits trying to resist the word of God to be released. But some of us find ourselves a little burnt, a little bent out of shape, a little abused, a little twisted. All of a sudden it's like, man, what is the meaning of my life? Because we've given ourselves to things that were not part of God's purpose for us. And all of a sudden when we say bent out of shape, we are bent out of shape because we're not functioning Or living according to God's purpose for our lives you and I were created in the image of an Almighty God who is good who is holy who is compassionate who is perfect who is spirit he is good there is no evil in our God we are bearers of his image carriers of his nature And then oftentimes because of compromise and because of the cursed world that we live in, we find ourselves miserable and frustrated, depressed, suicidal. Why? Because we haven't discovered purpose. Or if we did discover purpose, we've deviated from that. So today, my assignment is to help us be reminded what is our divine purpose? Why did God create us in the first place? God has a plan. Tell the person next to you, God has a plan for you. And I praise God that God is a God of new beginnings. Come on, somebody needs to hear this. God is a God of new beginnings. You messed up even this week. Perhaps you dropped the ball. Perhaps you just, you massively compromised. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't know that God can forgive me this time. Yes, he can. He's so crazy about you that he sent Jesus, his son, who was perfect, flawless, sinless. He knew how messed up you and I are. And he sent Jesus to rescue us so that we could discover our true meaning, our true purpose. That's why here at City Life, we're all about discovering purpose. We're gonna do our best to work overtime to help you become fully alive in Jesus and fulfill the master plan that God has for your life. The reality is this, you can love God, you can believe his word and still live a miserable life. Don't raise your hand, but maybe that person next to you, they're living a miserable life. Maybe they're married to you. <laughs> That's a whole nother preaching series right there. You can actually know Bible stories, know about God, and actually have the fear of the Lord to an extent. Love God long distance and still be unfulfilled. Life is not meant to be easy. It's not a cakewalk. From the moment that you give your life to Jesus, he never promised that it was going to be a cakewalk, an easy journey. He would say things like, by and by, offenses will come. People are going to take you off. People are going to say things about you and to you. People are going to hurt you. Setbacks will happen. Talks about the righteous person. Says they're going to experience trials of many kinds. So God never promised that life was going to be easy, but he promised that he would partner with us and that as we would trust him and we would lean into him and onto him, he would guide us and he would help us discover his plan for us. The best place to be is in the center of God's will. You might have all kinds of storms going on around you, but when you're centered in Christ, when you're locked into his word and his promises Though things around you might be spinning out of control, that's the safest place to be. So, we're all about helping people discover their purpose in God. I'm, a, I'm actually going to take a little piece of one of our classes that we teach from Basic Doctrine. Shameless plug, but I, I'm not ashamed. Highly recommend the class. One of our classes that we teach is What's the Doctrine of Man? humanity with all the different crazy teachings out there what are the things what what does God tell us about us I'm not as interested in what people have to tell us about us I'm interested in what the designer has to tell me about me he's the one that dreamt me he's the one that planned my life he's the one that scripted my future my destiny so I want to hear his thoughts towards me come on somebody so I'm going to bring you all the way to the book of Genesis. We're going to take a, big, a bit of a, the, a theological class right now. Are you ready for the next 10 minutes? Theology 101. Starting in Genesis chapter 1. These three verses, if you unpack them and you study them in depth in the Hebrew language, it tells you four principles of why God created us. So let me bring you to Genesis 126. It says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Pause. God is three parts, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triunity of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he is talking to the deity of himself. And he says, let us create man in our image, human beings in our image. And it says, and they will reign over the fish and the sea, the birds in the sky and the livestock. Someone say picanha. Woo. That's steak in Portuguese. Come on. All the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image, not in the image of something else, not a, not a counterfeit image, not another creature or creation. He created you and I in his own image. That right there should just bring the goosebumps to somebody in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them. Then God watch God blessed them. Somebody needs to hear that today. He blessed them before they did anything for him. He had already blessed them. He had already placed his stamp of approval upon them. He already had a master plan for each and every one of them. And that includes you and me. We were blessed before we even started. God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Four words that I'm going to share with you today found from these three verses, four principles, the fourfold purpose of why God created humans. Number one is the word relationship. God wants us to know him. Now he created the animal kingdom, and it's like, man, I, I fell into. It. Let me, let me, let me tell you about my youth pastoring days. I, I, I was a youth pastor, and I started the journey with hair. And youth ministry does terrible things to youth pastors. I had this one, one young person come to me in my earlier years, and they said, Pastor John, John, my dog died. I said, Rough. That's that's terrible, right? I've been learning. Some of you will get the joke tomorrow. That's all right. So the question, the next question, the question was then, am I going to see my dog in heaven? Y'all need to come to basic doctrine class. I'm going to be teaching about that. No, just kidding. (laughs) But. In my youthful, kind of like zealous kind of way, I said, "Absolutely not. They're already crushed. They lost their dog." I said, "Absolutely not. Why not? Because a dog has a soul, but no spirit. And Jesus came to revive this spirit. Your dog is dead. It has ceased to exist." I'm sorry, bruh. That's cold. Now, truth, theologically speaking, it, it is a fact. It's true. The animals, God created animals and pets and wonderful. And some of you guys, you know, you love pets and awesome. That's great. They, they have their physical shell and they actually do have a soul. They do. Emotions. Emotions are contained within the soul realm. Technically speaking, they don't have a spirit because only human beings were created in the image of God. God is spirit. Therefore, we are spirit beings that happen to also have a soul and a body. But as I began to lose hair and grow a little wiser, God would give me do-overs where people would ask, PJJ, my pet died. Do you think they're going to be in heaven? I said, look, I don't know if they're going to be in heaven. I know that God is crazy about you. So if God wants little Snoopy to be in heaven with you someday, that's totally up to him. I support that decision. We'll find out someday in eternity. That's a little bit better, right? Oh, yeah. Woo. And then I even said when you read about Revelation and when you read about heaven, there, there, there's like horses, there's, there's the lion, there's the lamb, there's all these different animals. So if it's important to you, God knows your heart, we'll find out. But be encouraged, heaven's going to be amazing. Here's the point back to us. You and I are God's favorite and best creations. The animals were not created in his image. The trees, the parks, they were not created. The solar system was not created in the image of God. You and I were created in the image of God to have a relationship with him, spirit to spirit. There is a God space within all of us that only God can fill. And the reason sometimes we feel miserable is because we shove other things into that God space. And instead of being a skewer of righteousness and Good show, We are fondue forks that are messed up. <laughs> only God can fill that space. He wants to have a relationship with you and I. Come on, somebody. So, true and total fulfillment in life, it happens only when we experience that relationship with God. There are people that are enjoying life. Maybe they're very affluent and successful. Maybe they've accomplished incredible things in this life. How many of you know that money isn't the ultimate fulfillment? Money can give people the opportunity to do some fun things, but money itself is not what brings ultimate fulfillment. In the truest sense, in order for you to experience the ultimate fulfillment of life, it's when you and I live according to the plan that God has for us, and that only happens when we have a relationship with him. Come on, somebody. Number two, the second word, relationship was number one. The second word is the word character. Now, we can talk about character for a while. What are, what are those like artists that we have at, at Pier 39? They, you sit there and they start drawing like faces and stuff. And then you sit there and all of a sudden they, 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 they draw a caricature. And it's like the, the face is like magnified. It's, it's characteristic of the person that they're trying to draw, correct? That word created in the image of God translated from the Hebrew language to our language has to do with the word image. So it's not just an invisible character thing on the inside, but we are called and created in the image of God to share the image of God, to share the invisible attributes of our God. We have divine attributes. When we talk about the qualities of God, God has qualities that he wants you and I to share. And we were designed, the purpose for our lives is actually to be carriers of godly attributes. So we talk about love, love is much, the Bible says that God is love. He doesn't just have love, he is love. Love is much more than an emotion, for instance. Love is a part of who God is, and because we're created in the image of God, we're called to be those who are people of love. That's why John will say, beloved, let's love one another, for God is love. And the person that doesn't love another, they don't know God. Why? Because God's love. If we can't choose to love other people, we truly don't know God. So if you're a Niner fan, shout out to the Niners. Let's go. And you happen to go to the same church and you have some Las Vegas Raider fans in the same church. We believe in a freedom retreat that they can go to. No, just kidding. But we can choose to love them because God is love. The word character, God wants us to partake in his nature. He wants us to be like him. He invites us into this relationship with him where he continues to change us. Less of our old ways and our carnal ways and our worldly ways. And the more we spend time with him, the more his attributes become a part of us. That's why, for instance, almost 12 years ago when I met Pastor Marquise Gray. He's like, bro, just call me Keys. This white guy from the suburbs came and I said, hey, buddy, how was your day? He says, bro, we don't talk like that here in the city. We don't say buddy. So he's like, the way we talk around here, you don't even say bro, you say bruh. (laughs) For a while, I I would say, man, I'm going to try to keep it real. He says, you don't say keep it real, you say keep it 100. (laughs) So I tried. After a while, I'm like, nah, it's kind of weird for me to say it like that, but you do you. And the more I hung out with Keys, all of a sudden I'm picking up his mannerisms. Now he says buddy, and I say bruh. (laughs) It's weird. (laughs) The more we spend time with God, his attributes begin to be infused into us. The more time you spend in his presence, all of a sudden, instead of carrying fear, you actually have courage. Instead of being in despair or without hope, all of a sudden you feel like, man, my tank is full. God is encouraging me. God has given me boldness. The more time we spend with him, we're becoming more and more like him. Some will say work in progress. As you're pursuing Jesus, as you're following him, he would say, pick up your cross daily and follow me. As we follow him and we pursue him, his nature, his attributes, they began to change us. And we began to take on the life of Christ. It's no longer the old man, but now we live like Christ, for Christ. We're living on purpose. That is the journey of a true disciple of Jesus. So God created us to have a relationship with him, to share in his character. Number three, in function. So it's the word function. Function has to do with what we do. What am I called to do? Let me remind you, before you do anything for God, be reminded of who you are. Being is more important than doing. What you do is a reflection of who you are. I'm a son. Maybe you're a daughter of God. We are children of God. That's who we are. That's our identity. What we do then is a reflection of the work of God in our lives. That's our function. Why are we here on this planet sucking up oxygen? Because there is a mission for each and every one of us. There is a God assignment for each and every one of us. There is a plan that God has. And the Bible says, they're good plans. Good things. So we come in alignment with the will of God. And then we fulfill the plans that God designed us to fulfill. So it's the word function. God wants all of humanity to look like him internally and then he wants us to work for him externally come on somebody do the things and accomplish the things that he has purpose for us god wants us to learn how to be good stewards of what he's entrusted into us different ones of us have different personalities temperaments people get pastor isaac and i confused he's a white ball guy just came back from vacation so now he's got this tan there's a sweet lady, you've been coming to church, I love you. Love you, love you, love you. I'm not Pastor Isaac, though. I'm PJJ. She comes and says hello to me on Sundays. Pastor Isaac, good to see you. I'm like, hey. Okay. He's a taller one, taller one, and now he's, he's got a tan. Though we might be similar, you might be similar to somebody else. God has a unique calling for you a unique plan for you, and only you can fulfill that plan. It might be similar to someone else's plan, but it's unique, tailor-made just for you. It's your function. It's what you're called to be, and it's what you're called to do. One of the greatest frustrations is when people try to fulfill someone else's calling, and they're miserable. When you see somebody else that you admire, like, man, I want to just do everything that they do. If that's your call, cool. If it's not, it's going to be frustrating, you're going to be frustrated. Everyone around you is going to be frustrated. God's going to be frustrated. The key is to find and discover what is God's purpose for my life and then do it. Fulfill it. Then number four, the last word. Man, Pastor Isaac, the first service, it felt like I had gone to Costco. You know when you get the, the, the milk and the eggs? You walk into that, that cool room like, oh, my goodness. Now I feel like I'm in the Costco parking lot in Antioch where it's like melting hot. It's hot up in here right now, right? <laughs> You need to like fan the flame, like grab the little card and just fan somebody. Number four, the fourth word would be this. It's the word reproduction. Reproduction. And you can, use, you can say, yes, there's a biological aspect to where we, we reproduce. But this is more than just that. The idea here is to pass the life of God onto someone else. You can actually bring life to people around you by just bringing the good news to them. The Bible says that we were all dead in our trespasses. We're all dead. Our spirit man was dead. But Jesus came. The gospel means good news. And he invites us to go and bring the good news everywhere we go. As you're interacting with friends, Natalie, as you're talking to people and family members, co-workers, whoever it would be, you're just living out loud. This is what God's been doing in my life. And as you shared the good news of what God's done in you, all of a sudden something goes like, man, Maybe I should check out this God thing that you're talking about. And all of a sudden, they begin to put their hope in Jesus. They become alive. And you've passed on God's life to them. That's our calling. God says, be fruitful and multiply. The idea is multiply the good news. Take it to everyone within your sphere of influence. It could be your family member. It could be coworkers. It could be business partners. It could be random strangers for that matter. But you and I are called. It's our destiny and it's our purpose to bring the good news everywhere we go. And can I just be brutally honest with our church family today? Maybe you're watching online and maybe you've, you know somebody who does this. Uh, maybe it's you. I don't know. But just listen to the words. The gospel means good news. Sometimes as I'm scrolling through social media platforms, People will read something, and like even, even like this last week, there's like these two Christian rappers that are going after each other. I'm like, bro, just settle it. You don't have to go before the whole world to duke it out. Y'all talk about it amongst yourselves. And we try to correct one another, and i got to speak the truth. i got convictions. i got to take a stand for truth. And some of us feel compelled that we have to put everyone in their proper place because they've got wrong theology, so we come with the wrong attitude. And it frustrates me when I go downtown and I see people that they have their little signs. You think they're picketing something, but they're not. They're holding their little sign. And they use derogatory terms towards certain people within our city and our, our society. And they start referring to them with names that are, should not be used at all. And they say, repent, you fill in the blank. And it just, it just, it just boggles my mind. The Bible says that zeal without knowledge is foolishness. They've got great zeal. but Where's the heart of compassion, though? It says that Jesus was a friend of the sinners. It doesn't mean that he had to agree with what they were doing. But to just blast people and say, you're going to hell because of whatever, that's not the heart of God. Man, if we could just harness that energy and zeal in a different way and be compassionate and care for people and sit with suffering and just show them the love of God, maybe that would actually compel them to turn to Jesus. So rather than just speaking judgment against folks, let's speak life. And I'm not talking about compromising your convictions, but pick your moments wisely. Can they truly receive this message? Can they truly receive what you're declaring to them? Are they feeling the heart of God, though what you might be saying might actually be true and accurate? Is it laced in love, though? Let's take a page from Jesus' playbook. See how he, now notice, the times that he would rebuke, You don't see him rebuking sinners. What you find is him rebuking spiritual people. People that knew the Bible, the law. They were the ones that he was constantly rebuking. Because they were speaking truth, but with no love. So when we talk about reproducing and bringing life, let's be conduit of life. And use whatever spheres that God has given you, whether it's in person or online platforms, social media platforms. Bring life. Point people to Jesus amen somebody so let's wrap this this time together I'm going to have the keyboard guy come up and help me Matt your mama is watching from Paschal Rachel what's going on God bless you we love you living a life of purpose then this is what Proverbs tells us 1128 it says this a life devoted to things if you're only living for things material things a life devoted to things is a dead life a stump a God-shaped life though is a flourishing tree When you're in partnership with God, you're in a relationship with God. I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but you're pursuing him. The analogy, the metaphor that is used both in this passage and also in a couple other passages, it's like we're a tree that is beginning to bear fruit. We begin to flourish. Jeremiah 17, for instance, it says this. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by, by long months of drought. Their leaves, they stay green and they go right on producing delicious fruit. Similar to Psalms chapter 1, blesses the man who doesn't listen to all kinds of negativity and hang around the wrong influences, but this person meditates on the word of God day and night. It says, This person is like a tree planted by waters whose leaves never wither, who bears forth fruit in every season. It's speaking of a a person who has discovered purpose. My purpose is to be rooted in Jesus. My purpose is to be rooted on God's promises. Our purpose is to be fully rooted in the plans that God has for our lives. And in doing so, God produces good things in our life and we experience true fulfillment living a life of purpose it means living according to the original blueprint what is the master plan that God has for you he knows the question is do we know let me just kind of cue you in we never get to see the full picture he has to teach us and he continues to unfold the plan what's next maybe you're a junior in high school I got two more years of high school then what's next as you're pursuing him Continue to unfold the next steps, and you'll continue, and you've already got a sense of the greatness, of that destiny that God has for you. See You already have that sense. Now the strategy of what the next steps are, it comes from just listening to Him. What doors will He open for you? God has great plans for you. He's got great plans for all of us. Living a life of purpose, it means living a life of fruitfulness and fulfillment. If you had to do like a personal survey, just examine your own heart and your own life, Jesus says, we will recognize them or they will recognize you by your fruit. What is the fruit that is being produced in your life? Have you drifted a little bit from God's purpose for your life? Have you just been kind of getting through, getting by, but not living the abundant life? Why would that be then? If God has great things in store for you, where is that fruit that we're reading of right here? comes back to us being centered in Christ. Going back to that place, God, would you reveal your heart and your ways? I want to just be like you, Lord Jesus. Less of me, more of you. I read this article by this one preacher gal. Her name is Joey. I forgot her last name. But three words that she communicated. I said, man, that is such, such truth right there. Um, she said three enemies of living a life of purpose. She said these three words. And I, I'm like, man, I got to share this. Three words. Compare insecurity and shame such a profound thought people that driven purpose are people that oftentimes are just comparing themselves to others I've already mentioned that earlier it's a it's a frustrating miserable journey if you're constantly comparing yourself to others in leadership development I think that we should always strive to become like people that we admire but recognize that their call is still different than yours you might have similar interests and passions and opportunities, but your call is unique. How to discover that? Go to the word of God. God, speak to me through your word. Go to that place of prayer. God, would you quicken your thoughts? Would you quicken your, your words over me, your plans? Would you reveal those plans to me? The second word is insecurity. Basically, insecurity, it intimidates people. Insecurity is like, oh man, I, I could never mount to being what God says I can. Listen, it's not about you in the first place. You're way overthinking it. You're looking at yourself way too much. Insecurity has to do with seeing ourselves differently than how God sees us, rooted in pride. Finally, the third word is the word shame. Shame has to do with hiding. You're running from your call. You're ashamed of past mistakes, disappointments, failures. So you're, you're ashamed of yourself. So you hide and you're not living the purposeful life that God created you to live. That's not the abundant life. That's not what God has for us. Years ago, one of my favorite authors, Rick Warren, wrote a book, Purpose Driven Life. I left it in the notes. If you haven't read that book yet, you've been missing out. This whole conversation could go for way more than a preaching series, it could go for an entire year. Rick writes this book, there's 40 chapters. You're like, oh my gosh, it's a huge book. No, each chapter is very, very short, a couple little pages, but so practical talking about how to live a life of purpose, discovering your purpose. How many of you read that book before? Purpose Driven Life, many of us have. If you haven't, I'm telling you, go to Amazon, order that book either on your Kindle or get the printed one, it's gonna bless you. It's a devotional book, it's gonna absolutely bless you. As I wrap up this time right here, my hope and my prayer is more than my words today. I'm I'm praying and hoping that the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart and reminded you that you're important to him that you were created for a purpose, to live on purpose. You were created by design, divine divine design. You weren't an accident. Even if your parents, come on somebody, weren't planning on you coming around. God knew you, He calls you by name. He's got a master plan that is incredible. And in the natural, you can't fulfill it on your own. You have to be linked up to Him. You have to have that relationship with Him. God, like I mentioned earlier, God is a God of new beginnings, second chances for maybe some stubborn people like me, God of the 100th chance. Wherever you're at in your journey, God wants to capture your heart again. He wants to help you. He wants to reveal his plans to you so that you can live a life of purpose. Amen, somebody? As we do every service, I, this is my favorite prayer of the week, and it's the prayer of helping people get right with God. Maybe you came to church or maybe you're watching online or online campus right now and you're hearing these words and you recognize like, man, I I haven't been right with God. I need to surrender fully to him. Maybe one of two situations has played out in your life. Maybe, Maybe to be brutally honest, you've never given him the opportunity to be the designated driver in your life. You've been driving your own life. You've been calling all the shots. You've been your own boss. You've never surrendered to anything or anyone else. And it's like, I'm the one in control. And you recognize, man, this isn't sustainable. I need God to help. Maybe that's your story. Or maybe the second situation would be at some point you did invite God to be a part of your life. And you started going well. But for whatever reason, things happened. And you hijacked the wheel again. And you've been calling the shots. And it's like, man, I need him to take control. Maybe that's your story. The great news that we have in the Word of God, the Bible. The Bible says that anyone calls on the name of the Lord that means any one of us anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved he rescues us he rescues us he helps us so I'm gonna lead us out in this prayer if you're watching online I want to encourage you to pray as well unless you're driving don't close your eyes but for the rest of us would you repeat this prayer with me say Jesus thank you for loving me thank you for pursuing me today I open my heart, I invite you in. Be the Lord of my life. Take the wheel. I repent of my sins, my selfish ways. I surrender fully and completely to you. Be the Lord of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give the Lord some praise? Well done, well done. If you made that decision today, you said, hey, I, I just gave Jesus my life. I've surrendered to him. Maybe that was your first time praying that prayer, or maybe it was a prayer rededication. we love to celebrate that decision with you. If you wouldn't mind sneaking out later after the service to our Connection Center, we love to have our team give you a little jumpstart kit to help you take your next, your next steps of faith. we love to partner with you and help you. You're not meant to do this life alone called to work as a community right so we love to celebrate and then there's a gift for you there too that's pretty cool and a few little goodies so be sure to come and let our team know at the Connection Center and for the rest of us listen God has a great plan for each and every one of us purpose let's live on purpose we're all about that life let me welcome Pastor Elena to wrap things up church family those online God bless you